Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Luke chapter 6. We're going to dive in today in our, in our Multiply series and taking a look at what it means to be a disciple making disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? What is a disciple? And uh, as we jump in today, I want to encourage you, man, make sure that, that everybody that you know is here for this. I, I don't want you to miss this. This is revolutionary, life-changing, learning what it means to be a disciple of Christ that is making disciples. After all, isn't this Jesus' commission to us before he left? Go and make disciples. Amen. Right? Go and make disciples. And so we have to understand what it means to be a disciple and how to make those disciples. And so we're going to jump in today what it is to be a disciple. Some of the things I want you to consider, and these questions were posed in the book, and I'll, uh, I'll give them to you, highlight them for you. But do you see evidence of your faith in your life? Do you see evidence of God's faith, faith at work in your life? Would you say that Jesus is Lord and master and owner of your life? You know, it's easy to say Jesus is Lord. It's easy to come to an altar and pray a prayer. But, but living that out, can you say that Jesus literally owns everything in me? <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. And then if you choose to obey Jesus' call to follow, what might it cost you? Even if you've said, Jesus, I'll follow you, maybe there's something in your life that, that he's poking at and maybe shining his light on, illuminating in your heart that isn't fully his yet. It might cost you something to yield that up. It might cost you something to give that over to his full control. And what might hold you back from following Jesus at this point? What's holding you back? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, oh, I'm following Jesus with my whole heart. Are you? Because I'm sure that if we sat down and each of us really began to inspect the motives and the meditations of our heart, we might find that there's an area that is lacking in obedience to Christ. I'm sure that all of us Am I the only one? Am I preaching to myself? I'm sure that all of us can find areas of lack of obedience in our hearts to Christ. And so discipleship is an ongoing journey. We don't ever arrive. Yeah. Discipleship started from the minute that you said, I do, Jesus. Amen. The commitment to submit to him started at I do, and it continues today. And there is no divorce. And so there's always areas of a heart. Some of you didn't like that analogy because you don't like submitting to your husband or your wife. But <laughs> it's okay. You, you, this is discipleship, right? And so there's areas of our lives that continually must be yielded to him. What is discipleship? You know, on Wednesday nights, we're taking a look at the qualities of discipleship, of a disciple. So I'd encourage you to come on Wednesdays. This past week, we took a look at endurance. A disciple has endurance. And we talked about that a disciple is a pilgrim, someone 
You know, Christ has called us to discipleship, two terms in Scripture, disciple, and we are pilgrims. We're not tourists. We're not along for the journey to see what we can get out of it. Isn't that what a tourist is? A tourist is someone who goes somewhere to be entertained. They go somewhere with the, with the focus of, of being entertained or getting something out of the journey for themselves. But a pilgrim has a destination. There's, there's a place where they're headed. There's a path that they're on. There's a purpose to what they're doing. As pilgrims in this land, we have a purpose, we have a destination, we have a path. And that is, like Paul said, I'm, I'm forgetting everything that lies behind to take hold of, to grasp hold of Christ. He is our destination. He's our purpose. It's not some, some uh, you know, mansion in the sky someday. Thank the Lord for the mansion in the sky. But, but if that's all heaven is... You can have a mansion in, on the earth. Heaven is Jesus. Heaven is the atmosphere of his presence, his glory. It's the, it's the place of his love, the place of his joy, the place of his peace in infinite degree. That We're pilgrims on a place. We're pilgrims on a, on a journey to that place. We're like Abram. We're looking for a city whose maker and builder is God heavenly destination. So, so what is a disciple? A disciple, for our purposes, we'll say is a lifelong learner and follower. A disciple is someone who has committed lifelong following Jesus, lifelong learning of him, being changed by him. Have you ever been on a journey before and thought you were going in the right place and ended up in the wrong place? Had the wrong directions? Anybody? <clears throat> A few years back, I was in China, and uh, yeah, I go to China frequently. Um, so I was in China, and uh, you know, I don't know. I and this this was before I had had been going for a while, so I really didn't know much of the city. Now I could probably figure out my way around, but I didn't know much of Shanghai at that point, and. Uh, I'm trusting my host that's with me, this travel host that's going with us, and she's, she's uh, Shanghainese, and she knows the area, she knows where we're going. We went and did a small group in someone's house on the far side of Shanghai. And when I say the far side of Shanghai, Shanghai is 24 million people that are registered, plus migrants and you know visa holders and everyone. It's massive. It's the city. It takes two hours, two to three hours driving to get from one side to the other. It's massive city. And, uh, you know, you can get there, you can do it further, faster on the train, but it still takes time on the train. And so we went, we took the train, we were on the far side of Shanghai, and we finished up the meeting, and, and it was one of those small groups that, you know, God just kind of shows up, and you just go along with the flow, and it was fun. You know, people that had never heard about the joy of the Lord, and never heard anything about laughing and, this, and joy in his presence, all start, you know, these, these guys, these ladies start laughing. They're falling out of their seat. It was hilarious. They've never, they've never, they're in Shanghai, they've never heard of this. They, nobody has, they've not watched any YouTube videos. They don't get YouTube. They've not, they've not seen or heard any of this. We're just teaching on Jesus, and all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord comes, and they're falling out of their seats on the floor, laughing uncontrollably as the presence of the Lord just touches. It was powerful. And so you can about imagine what, what happened, you know, where, so the small group went longer than anticipated. Well, how many of you know when you're in another country or even in the U.S., 
Those trains have time limits. <laughs> and so we ended up on the far side of Shanghai with no train. So we had no way to get back. Uh, I, now, maybe the significance of this is you're just not comprehending, but, but we couldn't get back. I'm in a foreign country trusting a tour guide who I can't get back to where I'm staying. The trains are shut down. And so she said, well, let me, let me call a taxi. We'll take a taxi. And so we ended up taking a taxi to another train station. That train station, which was across town, actually was at the airport that's on the, far, the farthest side from where we were. So we go to that. We take the taxi, a long taxi ride, get to that train station, the only, the only train station that's operating on that side of town that late at night. We get on that train station. That train station takes us to that train station. And that train station takes us to another place where we get off the train, call another taxi, Okay, hand the taxi driver, we had these little cards that had our address in Chinese where we needed to go. Hand the taxi driver that, we don't speak Chinese. Hand the taxi driver, boy, you know, he's obviously confused about what address is on there. I'm like, I don't know, just address, the address, I don't know, just take me to the address. <laughs> we had two taxis because there's enough of us to have two taxis and he's talking to the other taxi driver in Chinese. Our host had already gotten off of our expedition at this point. She figured, she figured that the taxi drivers could now take care of us. So she was out of the expedition at this point. And uh, we're looking at each other. The taxi drivers are looking at each other and we start driving. So we assume they know where they're taking us. We get about 30 minutes into the drive and I'm looking at the person sitting next to me, and I'm looking at the taxi driver, and I'm looking at the taxi that's driving in front of us, and I'm thinking, they have no blasted idea where we're going. <laughs> and a few minutes later, they pull off the side of the road, no address, no address. They're trying to tell us they don't know where this address is. So fortunately, I had a Chinese phone. I call our host pastors and say, hey, can you, and they know Chinese fluently, can you explain to them? We'll come to find out the address that they were following was written wrong. And so it did, it was, it was, somebody had put it in one of those Google Translate things, which, thank God for Google Translate, it's got the basics, but, right. but it's not specific enough for addresses. So needless to say, we had a, a bit of an adventure. So there are times in our life where we find ourselves needing direction. That's what discipleship is all about, getting the direction, navigating life, learning from Christ. And so in Luke chapter 6, we're going to take a look at what it means, some illustrations that Jesus gives us, three specifically, three illustrations about discipleship. So in Luke chapter 6, in verse 39, it says, And he spoke a parable to them, Can the blind lead the blind? <laughs> it's kind of like my experience in China, right? <laughs> Can the blind lead the blind? Will not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Verse 43. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth... 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. Okay, just making sure you're all still following along with me. Verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. There are three illustrations here that Jesus gives us about discipleship, and I just want to make some observations about each as it relates to discipleship. Number one, we, talk, we, we take a look at the speck and the plank. There's this illustration that Jesus gives, can the blind lead the blind? And he talks about the speck in, in your brother's eye when you see, don't even see the plank in your own eye. Some observations from this story, some this parable that I want to give you. One, be careful who you follow. What does he say? Can the blind lead the blind? If you are following someone who is blind, you will end up in a pit. That's why when we talk about discipleship, we're talking about following people who are following Christ. And as disciple makers, we are always pointing people to Christ. It's not about me. It's about people understanding who Christ is. It's about diving into Scripture. It's about experiencing the, the love of God and the knowledge of God and the peace of God for yourself. That's why we encourage that, that you get in the Word. That's why we talk about uh, Bethesda classes and all of the opportunities, small groups that are available for you to dive in for yourself and begin to understand for yourself. You know, one of the, one of the key characteristics of of, of the Protestant church, of, of the Reformation. If you go back to the Reformation, the Protestant church, one of the foundations, one of our, one of our foundations is the concept of sola scriptura, that, that Christ, that scripture alone is our foundation, that we don't need a, a hierarchy or someone to tell us to interpret its scripture for us and tell us this is what scripture is and, and they are the final authority on that word. That's what, pro, that's, are, are, you, are anybody Protestant in, in here this morning? <laughs> I thought we were a Protestant church. That's what being Protestant is all about, is that we don't take the authority, we don't, we're, not, we're not ending the authority of interpretation of Scripture with a man. We're diving in for ourselves. We're studying for ourselves. Please don't take my word for it. I'm not going to tell you lies, but please get in the Word of God for yourself. Please dive in and see Christ for yourself. A man who is not illuminated by the Holy Spirit is utterly incapable of judging concerning spiritual things and is completely unfit to be a guide to others. So what Jesus is saying here is that the blind cannot lead the blind. In other words, you need to be illuminated, your heart, your spirit man... Your, your mind, your spirit man, your mind, both need to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Not interpreting scripture, not interpreting things by your own experience. But allowing scripture, allowing God to interpret for himself. Amen. Allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate. These are spiritual things illuminated to us by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we are joined to God. This word here, perfectly trained in English, in the Greek translates to be joined together as bones 
fitly. Not to be disjointed, but fully knit together. It's this, it's this concept of perfectly trained. The words here, perfectly trained, mean it's like a, a, an arm with your, with your elbow joint. It is perfectly fit together and operates together. It's perfectly in unison. My arm does not go back this way. When I move it, right? If it went back this way, we would have a problem. My, I would be disjointed. I wouldn't function properly. It would hurt. It wouldn't function properly. So the concept here in Luke is that, that we are fit, we are joined together. What Jesus is saying is that we are perfectly fit, joined together like joints with God and cooperating with Him. That's a great picture of discipleship. We're not trying to do it on our own. He is our master. He is our teacher. And we are following. We are connected with Christ. We co-labor with Him. We learn of Him. Third observation from this parable that he gives us is that we never arrive, but we're continually growing in Christ. He says, don't, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye and, and miss the plank in your own eye. This is an interesting concept here. He's, he's putting forth an illustration of foreign objects blocking our vision. Now, we know that blindness can come, spiritual blindness can come from a lot of different things. Three main ones is being spiritually blind. We've not been illuminated by the Holy Spirit. We've, Jesus used this phrase, it's used throughout Scripture, having eyes they don't see. Our eyes have not been illuminated spiritually. And so we can have spiritual blindness. Jesus can be staring us in the face and we don't even see him. The Word of God is living and active, and it's right in front of us, and we don't even see it. We, we see everyone else worshiping, but we don't, we don't understand, and we don't enter in because we don't see. We have, we have eyes that don't see. Well, I don't, I don't like that. We complain, and we, and we backbite, and we gossip because we have eyes that don't see. We judge others because we have eyes that don't see. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? We make judgments and criticisms about other people because we have eyes that don't see spiritual blindness. Secondly, there's obstacles. Have you ever tried to, ever heard the phrase, you make a better door than a window? You know, somebody's standing right in front of you and can't see through them. Sometimes we have people right in front of us and we can't see Christ through them. They've offended us, they've hurt us, life has happened. Something, an obstacle has been placed in front of us and we can't see through the door. We can't see through the, the obstacle that's in our face. And then there's foreign objects. We allow foreign objects, objects, and this is what Jesus is talking about here. Foreign objects get in our eyes. Offense, habitual sin, pride, things that are not spiritual. Foreign objects get into our spiritual eyes and blind us. They, they limit our ability to see. And so we have to continually grow in Christ. Baby step after baby step. Baby step after baby step. Continually growing in Christ. And so that we can remove those obstacles out of our eyes and see as Christ sees. It's interesting because most of the time, most of us wear two sets of glasses. We have the set of glasses that diminishes our sin. And when someone wrongs us or does something wrong, we take those off and put on the set that magnifies theirs. And so it's important that we, we take off the glasses and see with spiritual eyes. We have to see as Christ sees, continually growing in the word, continue growing in faith, continue to grow under those Christ has placed us under. Yeah. Being alert for those 
foreign objects that want to get in our eyes, being alert for that pride that wants to limit your, your view. I'm telling you, pride is a nasty thing. You know, I mean, that's what Scripture tells us. It leads to utter destruction. It le- does it not? It leads to destruction. When you think you're secure, in that moment, your security fails you. When you would say peace and safety, that's pride, sudden destruction will come upon you. And I want to encourage you as a disciple, allow Christ to remove that pride. The, the problem with pride is you never know that you have it until destruction happens, unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. And so it is important, absolutely important, that we live we live life as disciples, like Jesus said, daily taking up our cross and following him. Daily, daily allowing that pride to be nailed to the cross. Daily allowing that, those obstacles to go into the fire and be burned up, be consumed. I don't know about you, I have pride in my life that has to be consumed. I don't know about you, but, but I, have, I have issues that have to go to the cross on a daily basis. And so it's important that each of us on a daily basis, every day, let him take up his cross and follow me. You know, this isn't, this isn't popular. We don't like, you know, we want to be comfortable. Being a pilgrim is the best journey. Being a disciple is the best journey. But it's the, it's the disciple's path of death. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. We quote that at funerals a lot, but... But it also means the, the death of your pride, the death of your issues, continually growing in Christ. And let me say this about, about death, burning those things on the altar of sacrifice. There is not one of us in this room today that doesn't have to go through that, that sacrifice, laying it on the altar, the Romans 12, offering yourself as a spiritual sacrifice. That must happen for all of us regularly. So don't look at yourself when the Holy, you know, this is one of the things that I hear a lot is, well, pastor, I feel convicted and I don't like to feel convicted. I, you know what? I have, I have learned to find joy in conviction. I have found, there have, it actually has gotten to the point in my life and I, and I don't say this in a arrogant way, but it has gotten to a point in my life where I'm looking around, if I don't feel fire from somewhere at some point, I'm saying, Lord, what is wrong with me? I've gotten complacent. I've gotten comfortable. I don't feel the fire. There's safety in the fire. I've said this a a, a lot, but I'll say it again. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They went in the fire and were saved. The people who threw them in the fire were consumed. There's safety. The fourth man's in the fire, so get in the fire. Live in the fire. It's okay to feel the fire. It's okay to feel the fire. It's uncomfortable. But I have learned to find the joy in it. I've learned. I'm learning. And there, it's not always pleasant. Sometimes I have to vent a little bit. Sometimes I, my flesh has to have a little bit of a pity party. But in the end, <laughs> I, I learned to laugh. I've, I've often said, if you, if you see me laughing Hysterically in a service, you, the joy of the Lord is all over me. You can guarantee somewhere I feel the fire. Why? Because that, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. He's, he's going to purge me. He's going to cleanse me. But he's going to give me his joy to strengthen me through it. He's going to give me the endurance to walk through that fire. And so don't run from conviction. 
I can't tell you how many times since we've moved here somebody has said to us, I'm, I'm leaving the church because I feel convicted. Yeah. Well, bless the Lord. Yeah. Bless the Lord. What did Jesus say? Those whom I love, I chastise. Would you let your son or daughter be a heathen brat? Oh, I'm sorry, some of you might, but let me... <laughs> Biblically, would you let your son or daughter be a brat? No, of course not. Sometimes their, their glute, gluteus maximus needs to connect with their cerebral cortex. Sometimes there needs to be a connection made, and it comes... Discipleship has to happen. Amen. The second illustration he gives us here in verse 43 talks about the good tree and the bad tree, the, the good fruit and the bad fruit. The expressions of our heart reveal the seed from which we've been planted. I'm going to say that again. The expressions of our heart reveal the seed from which we've been planted. Jesus is saying here not in a, a comparison of fruit. He's not comparing your fruit to their fruit to his fruit to their fruit. What he is saying is you can identify a tree by its fruit. Isn't, isn't that what he says in verse 44? For every tree is known by its own fruit. And so it's not a comparison. If you're, if you're bad, a bad apple, <laughs> you're going to have bad fruit. 1 Peter 1.23 tells us this, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. We are born, we are born again, born anew of incorruptible seed. That means our DNA has to change. The fruit that we're producing has to change. As spiritual trees, as the spiritual planting of the Lord. We are oaks of righteousness, scripture calls us. It says, as the planting of the Lord, we produce spiritual fruit. Yeah. Amen. Good preaching, pastor. I'll say that again. As the spiritual planting of the Lord, we produce spiritual fruit. What is that fruit? Galatians 5, and 23 tells us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there is no law. This is the fruit that you and I ought to bear in our lives. If we are planted of the Lord, this is the fruit we'll bear. If we're planted of the devil, if we're still operating according to the seeds of our flesh, the seeds of carnality, the seeds of the devil... You know, Jesus talked about the sower who went out and sowed seeds, and then the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Remember that, Remember that parable? The seeds of the devil look like this, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And he goes through and he lists the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of anger, self-ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Now let me just pause for a moment here. If we were to take list A, spiritual fruit, and list B, fleshly fruit, and examine the fruit of your life, could we tell which tree you are? That's all I'm going to say about that. 
It's truth though, right? And the interesting thing is that we as believers many times spend our lives trying in our own strength to produce fruit that our own nature cannot produce. I will say that again. We spend hours after hours after hours, days, years trying to labor to produce fruit in our lives that we're, we're not intended. We weren't created to, to bear. You have a, you filthy, ugly thing. You were a seedling of the devil. Christ had to come and, and make you anew. That's what we read, Peter wrote, is that we are born again of incorruptible seed. And so we have to allow the seed that's been sown, the word of God. The word of God is the seed of, seed of God sown in our life. We, isn't that what Jesus teaches us is the word is the seed. We have to allow the seed that's been sown in our life to produce fruit. If you're not sowing seed, there ain't no fruit. The word of God is not taking root in your life. There's no fruit. There's no spiritual fruit. So it can't happen on your own is what I'm saying. All of the, the fruit of the flesh is going to happen. The fruit, the drunkenness, the revelries, the self-ambitions, dissensions, heresies, enemy, all these things, all that's going to happen because you're still trying in your own strength. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a very... If you're one of those people that always have to have that answer for everything. Anybody like that? Don't raise your hand. You always have to have an answer for everything. Let me encourage you. Here's your answer. Plant the word. Get in his presence. Worship him. Bask in him. Let the sunbeams of his, he is the radiance of the Father. Let the sun shine down on you. Let the rain of the Holy Spirit come fall on you. Sow the seeds of the word in your life. Study and read and, and dive into the richness of his word. Allow the Holy Spirit to water it. Allow the sunbeams, the radiance, the glory of the Father, Jesus, to, to, sun, to shine down his beams on that seed. And it will produce much fruit. We'll talk about that again in a moment. Here's what Francis Chan says in his book about this. He says, yet somehow many have come to believe that a person can be a Christian without being like Christ. A follower who doesn't follow. How does that make any sense? Many people in the church have decided to take on the name of Christ and nothing else. This would be like Jesus walking up to those first disciples and saying, hey, would you guys mind identifying yourselves with me in some way? Don't worry, I don't actually care if you do anything I do or change your lifestyle at all. I'm just looking for people who are willing to say they believe in me and call themselves Christians. Seriously? Second observation about this is that a tree cannot change its nature just as man cannot change his nature. You and I cannot change our nature. A tree, if it's an apple tree, is planted. That apple tree's seed is planted. It's, not, it's an apple it's an apple tree. If you ugly, filthy, nasty, rotten thing planted of the devil's seed goes in the ground, guess what's coming up? You filthy, rotten, ugly, nasty thing. You must be made new. You must be born of incorruptible seed. John 3, 3, Jesus answered Nicodemus and he said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It's that simple. It's not by works of flesh, it's by the work of faith through grace in your heart. 
You were born to bear bad fruit. There is no other way around. I'm sorry to break that news to you. You were born just as Adam sinned. Through Adam's sin, death entered the world. Just through his sin, sin and death entered. You were born to bear bad fruit. Christ came to change and to make you new. Third observation about this, this good tree and bad tree. Healthy fruit is the overflow of proper health and nutrition. Healthy fruit is the overflow of proper health and nutrition. Jesus addressed it like this in John 15. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So when Jesus comes, when, when the father comes and starts pruning, don't run. You can say ouch, but don't run. He's trying to make you more fruitful. Abide. Everybody say abide. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. With him everything's, everything's possible. Without him, nothing. It's interesting here, Jesus describes the environment that the vine dresser, the Father, has created. He has made the perfect environment, God, the vine dresser, has created the perfect environment for you to flourish. God has created the perfect environment. It is the spiritual greenhouse for you to flourish if you'll abide in Christ. If you'll abide in Him, if you'll stay rooted and planted in, in the house of the Lord where He's rooted and planted you, if you'll stay connected to the vine, if you'll stay planted in the Word, meditating on His He's created for you the perfect environment for you to flourish. But we must abide. What is our, what is our responsibility? Abide. To stay put. To stand. That Greek word to stand, stay put, abide, to remain, to tarry, to wait, to yield. We say yield all the time. It's the same as saying abide, stay planted, stay connected. Allow his life flow to flow into you. Spiritual health results in healthy spiritual fruit. The third illustration that Jesus gives us here is the house on the rock and the house on the sand. It's interesting. I love this illustration. Here we have... Two examples, and both of them are doing the same thing. They're building a house. Both of them are doing absolutely the same thing. We see this paralleled in Scripture many times where you have groups of people doing the same thing. Jesus talks about at the coming of the Son of Man, two will be at the mill, one taken, one left. There's, there's analogies like this all throughout Scripture. There's, a, there's that comparison and contrast. We see it with the ten virgins, five foolish, five wise. And what he's teaching us here is important. We need to catch this. He's making a comparison and a contrast. We need to understand what he's saying here. It's important. My first thing, my first observation that I want to point out here is that speaking words of faith in our lives produces acts of faith. Speaking words of faith produces acts of faith. Jesus said to them, how can you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Our speaking and our action cannot be separated. You must have thoughts of faith. Thoughts, everything, 
originating as a seed, a thought in your life. A meditation of your heart. Thoughts moving to meditations. Meditations moving to words and words moving to actions. Begins as a thought. Starts. That's why we have to renew our mind. Thinking how we think. If you're constantly thinking about the devil and you're constantly thinking about the horrible and you're constantly thinking about the ugly and you're constantly thinking about the attack and you're constantly, guess what? All you're going to see and what you're going to start living as a man thinks so and so it's important that we first correct our stinking thinking and change our thoughts. Fill our thoughts with the seeds, the word of God. And allow those seeds to take root as meditations of our heart. It moves from our, our mind out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You have to allow the thoughts of Christ, the meditations of Christ, to move into your meditations, your innermost being. And what happens when it gets there? You start talking. You start talking. You know, Zoe, we, we were able to take her, you know, to vacation. And we, we went to uh, Disney World. To, and, and please don't write me letters about Disney if you're watching, whatever. I don't care about, I don't care what you think, whether it's sorcery or not. I don't, I don't, don't even go there. I don't even want to think about it. It's, not, it's a wrong seed. We went, so we went, we had a good vacation. He said, Pastor, what are you talking about? I've had people tell me how horrible Disney is. So anyway, I digress. So we, we went and we came back and she was talking up a storm about Disney. She got to see all the princesses. And, but her favorite part, you know, if anybody asked her, what's your favorite part? Her favorite part was she got to dress up like one of the princesses. She got to go to Cinderella's spring cottage and get all dressed up. She had makeup and the dress and, you know, they had photographers taking pictures of her doing the whole, I mean, she, and she was daddy's, I mean, melting my heart. I was like, once I got the bill for it, I was a little shocked, but <laughs> anything for baby girl, right? But out of the abundance of her heart, man, her mouth was talking. She was in heaven. It was a meditation of her heart. It's what she thought about. She went to bed thinking about it. She had princesses on her wall in the, in the hotel room. And she just, we caught her one night just staring at the princesses on the wall. The picture, she's like, I got to become one of them. I mean, it was just all, it was, you know, little girl. Girl's dreams, right? Out of the meditation of your heart, your mouth speaks. Out of the overflows, Jesus is teaching us here. And so you allow the thought to go into a meditation. The meditation becomes words. You begin to speak words of life, speaking words of faith. You have to take the scripture and appropriate it. How many times have you heard me say this? Appropriate the word of God for yourself. Begin to speak the word of God over your life. Begin to speak the promises of God over your life. Begin self, you will not be discouraged. Self, you will not live in sin. Self, you will not be fearful. Self, you will not live in pride. You got to talk to yourself. You're not crazy. It's speaking words of faith. You're sowing words of faith of your life. And actions are the result. Actions become the result of faith that is sown. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. True faith produces acts of faith. 
James 2.17 tells us faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. You know, we try to manipulate that scripture around a lot. We, we try to say if we, you know, we've got to take works, we've got to do something to produce faith. And that's not how faith is produced. Faith, we just read, comes by hearing the word of the Lord. It's Holy Spirit illuminating the word of God in us. That produces faith. And when faith is produced, actions result. Good works result. You can work yourself into oblivion and have no relationship. You can do and not love. You can do all sorts of great things and not love. But you cannot delight and not love. If you love something, you will find your delight in it. But you can do a lot and not love. Francis Chan said this, following Jesus is not about diligently keeping a set of rules or conjuring up the moral fortitude to lead good lives. It's about loving God and enjoying Him. Jesus said, if you'll love me, you'll what? Obey. Out of the abundance of your heart. Out of the overflow of your heart. I mentioned this word earlier, and I'm going to jump back to it. Baby steps. Baby steps here. Baby steps there. Everything we do is baby steps as believers. None of us move out of baby step world. We're constantly, what did you say, Jesus? Okay, I'll go there. I, you know, it's very simple. Tithe? Okay, I'll tithe. Worship? Okay, I'm going to worship. And we just get into the word and we begin to discover in scripture what God is saying. We hear his voice and we look in scripture and it becomes life to us. And we, it becomes the delight of our life. And we just follow everywhere he goes. We're just, we're just little sheep. We're just little sheep following everywhere he goes. Okay, Jesus, you are a dumb sheep. Just, just admit it. It's okay. Just admit it. Get over yourself. The sooner the better. You're just a sheep. You're the weak and the foolish. <laughs> You'll do yourself a lot of good to just admit, I'm the weak, the foolish, and the dumb sheep. Yeah. If I have anything, let me boast in my weakness. Like Paul said, if, if there's anything, let me boast in my weakness because it's all him and not of me. So I'm just going to follow. Wherever he goes, wherever he leads, I'm just going to follow him. I will follow him. <laughs> it's okay. It's interesting, these, uh, these two men, I'll just take a look at these guys that are building this house, and we'll wrap up. These guys that are building, both of them built a house. Both of them paid the price to build the house. Both of them heard the message. Both of their houses were flooded. Let's just think about this for a second. The comparison that Jesus is making here. What is the difference? One that heard the message and simply obeyed. And the other that didn't. Simple faith. What is Jesus teaching us here as a disciple? We follow in simple faith. We follow him in simple faith. Simple obedience. It's not hard. I find one of the greatest struggles. And, and Paul writes about it in Hebrews when he says, strive to enter the rest. Yeah. 
One of the greatest struggles of the believer is when Jesus says to me, come all you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. We'd rather keep working. Jesus is standing over saying, get off of your equipment and try mine. Stop trying to harvest on your own strength. Come do it my way. And we're still, I don't understand why it ain't working. All the while, Jesus is saying, like he said to Saul, you're kicking against the goads. That's why it's not working. One of our greatest struggles is striving. It's the entering that rest. It's, it's simple faith. We want to know X, Y, Z, and we haven't even stepped out to A. <laughs> Jesus said, very simple, come follow. The disciples didn't know where they were going or what they were doing. Who is this strange man that's telling me to follow him? But something in his words captured them. And simple faith was ignited on the inside of them and eventually got to the point where Peter looked at Jesus when everybody else was leaving him and he said, where else do we have to go? We've left everything to follow you. Can you say that? Have you followed Christ in simple faith and say, I don't have anything else to do? You know, I've been asked, you know, well, what would you do if you never passed? I have no idea. I've, I really don't. I mean, I could find something. I'm sure I could find something. But I don't know. That's what I'm called to do. I don't, there's, I, I, when Jesus called, I left everything. And that's not just for me called as a pastor. It's for you called as a believer. That's every one of us. Lord, I give everything to follow you. Simple faith. What does that look like very practically? That's real simple. If God's told you to step out, step out. You know, it could be real simple is, you know, maybe you're trusting the Lord to hear from him, to give someone a word of encouragement or start operating in the gifts of the spirit. This is a real simple example. Wake up in the morning and in your, your time with the Lord, ask him for a scripture. I know this is real novel. And you know what? It might be really easy to find that scripture because if you're using a devotional book, you might have a scripture right there in front of you in your devotional book. You say it doesn't have to be some profound thing. No. It's the word of God. It is profound. <laughs> Every word is breathing life. It's sharper and active than any two-edged sword. It doesn't have to be anything profound. It is of itself profound. So it could be just the word in your devotion. I'm going to meditate on this word for myself. I'm going to, I'm going to meditate on the scripture throughout the day. You've read it. You've studied it. I'm praying, Lord, I thank you that I live by faith and not by sight. You just meditate. And then, Lord, show me somebody today that needs this word. I'm, you've, you've sown it into my life. I'm a disciple. I've received this word. Now I'm going to be a disciple making disciples. I'm going to sow this word. I'm going to be a illuminated guide, not a blind guide. I'm going to be an illuminated guide, and I'm going to sow this word. I'm going to teach somebody else what you've shown me. And you go throughout the day. Who's this word for? You're just doing your normal thing. And, and lo and behold, somebody comes up. This is for you. you. They tell you something. They say something to you. The Holy Spirit leaps on the inside of you, and you say, this word's for you. Maybe not like that. You just say, hey, 
In my morning devotion this morning, I, I just felt like the Lord spoke to me this word, and I feel like it might encourage you. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know what I'll say. That's okay, Jeremiah. Don't be afraid of what you'll say. I'll fill your mouth when the time comes. It could be as simple as you saying, well, I feel called to ministry. Well, great. Ministry has nothing to do with the microphone. Start. Get in Bible college. Start serving. Find a place to serve and learn. Be discipled. This is simple. Baby steps. Simple faith. Well, I feel like God's, here's a good one. I feel like God's called me to this church. And I want to get planted and rooted. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Simple faith. Find a place to connect. Serve. Find a place to begin to pour out. Find someone who's hurting worse than you are and begin to pour out on them. Find someone else who's broken and begin to love on them. Discipleship. Disciples making disciples. Are you willing to lay down, pay the price? You know, Christ has asked us all to build. We're not building an earthly kingdom. We're talking about building a house here. We're not building an earthly kingdom. We're not building an earthly house. But you and I are being built, fitted together, fastened together as a holy habitation for the Lord. We're disciples being joined together, disciples making disciples. Are you following in a simple faith and allowing? Are you yielding to be built? Well, I don't understand everything that happens in this church. Great. You're in a great place. Be discipled. I don't, under, I don't understand all of the manifestations, and I don't understand the joy, or I don't understand. Great, be discipled. I feel like the Lord's called me to, you know, God's, you know, God's going to bring revival and awakening in the Great Lakes, and it, good, it's staring you right in the face. I said good, it's staring you right in the face. I don't know, there's an awakening, there, there's... There's an awakening happening here. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, anybody notice that? Well, they just laugh at that church. Yeah, that's fine. But let me see. Let's count how many people are making decisions for Christ. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I had someone tell me one time, well, you know, they're just fall on the floor and all this stuff. I don't understand all that. And so that's good. I, you know, I, don't, I don't expect everybody to always like it. But those people that are laying on the floor are getting up and going out and reaching their community. Those people that are laying on the floor are making an impact in this region. So you can say what you want about it, but there's a Holy Ghost fire that's burning on the inside of them. You may not understand it, but get plugged in. Last thought about discipleship on this. Are you all okay? I know I said I'd wrap up. That's about four closings ago, so I'm good to do this now. The other component about discipleship when it comes to getting connected, we, we, don't, we don't like our carnal nature. Very, very basic component of discipleship we see here with the builders. We don't want someone else to tell us how to build. 
They, he heard the word and did not do it. We don't want someone telling us how to build. You can build great things and they'll still come crashing down. You can even build great things and they look spiritual. But they'll still come crashing down. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Simple faith. The reason that, that and it's, it's pictured here with these two, two guys building a house, the reason that the one did not obey, obviously he didn't want someone else telling him what to do. He wanted to do it his way. But he hadn't found his delight in the Lord. If someone were to tell you, hey, if you build your house here in Northeast Ohio, where there is water and sifting ground and you need to make sure you have a solid foundation before you build because your basement may come collapsing in on you if you don't. And they begin to lay out for you the plans of how to do that properly. And you look at them and you say, that sounds good, but that's way too much money. You haven't found your delight in what you're building and what God's doing through you. You haven't found the delight in what God's trying to accomplish. It's still all about you. But it costs too much. It's uncomfortable. But when you find your delight in the Lord and what he's working in and through you, you say, oh, okay, simple faith. Let's build a foundation. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.